So welcome to the podcast. So here we are, you know, talking about what it's like to be a doctor who owns a practice and going through that journey and and the good and the bad and the ugly and everything that goes along with it. So obviously, you know, a lot going on out there in the world and uh, a lot of uh, information floating around at a rapid rate. So just kind of, you know, buckle up or whatever you're doing if you're driving. And we're going to talk today about uh, we're going to actually have a guest today and we're going to talk a little bit about their journey um, and their process and the things they've learned over their life. And, and so hopefully you guys will all be able to take something meaningful and important out of that. Before we start, I, you know, I'm, whenever I do these, you know, there's always a lot of issues going on. And, and before we get started, I will tell you that, uh, and a good reminder for any of you in practice, that there's this thing called cash flow. And I have noticed that one of the wild and crazy things that happened coming out of COVID is a lot of people had more money in their bank accounts. And now those bank accounts are starting to get a little skinnier. We've got increased wages. And so just as a friendly reminder that it is impossible to cut your way to prosperity and that what has to be done is you have to have a growth plan and, you know, you have to create capacity and capacity is what you're responsible for. And, and if you want to increase revenue, you got to increase capacity. And for some weird reason today in this particular moment, I find a lot of people trying to act confused about what's happening, right? And if there's no capacity to treat the patients, there's not going to be a lot of cash flow. If there's more capacity to treat patients, there's going to be more cash flow. So hopefully that will and there are seasons to this. And so sometimes you're in a season where the cash flow is really good. Sometimes you're in a season where it's not real good. And this is something that has gone on historically, you know, forever. And we just have to be reminded of that and then apply it to the current situation. So our guest today who's joining us is Dr. David Bradley. Uh, Dr. Bradley, thank you so much for taking time to be on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. Um, so remember, uh, Dr. Bradley is volunteering his time. He is not asking for you to make any phone calls to his office for free advice. That is not what this is. He's doing it as a favor to me and a favor to you. So please do not call his office. All right. <laughs> I always I try to protect you guys because you're so nice to come on here. But sometimes I know your peers think, hey, I heard you on a podcast. I can call you and you'll spend hours with me. You know, that's not what I want you to do. So so let's talk a little bit. Uh, you uh, just a brief introduction. Um, I guess, gosh, we've been working together since it looks like November of 2006. So quite a while. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know that date. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. you were you were influencing us even before then. Though. Yeah, um, and then and you know now uh, uh, Dr. Bradley is in like our top group, which is clients that are really trying to 
sort of get out of the chair and really be great business owners. So his uh, wife, uh, Patty, is also a dentist, and they practice outside of Atlanta in a lovely town where I used to have a house. I guess I say that now. I used to have a house. Hmm. Uh, The bustling Greensboro Georgia, right? Things have gotten a little busier up there since COVID, I'm assuming. Um, we, we've been, maybe I misunderstood your question there. Um, yes, we've been, we've been up, um, running since COVID and we are, uh, we actually opened in May of 98 out in Greensboro. No, no, I was just saying my question is, has the lake gotten busier since COVID? Oh, yes, the lake has gotten quite a bit busier. Yeah, it has. A lot of people had second homes out here and they turned those into their primary residence. Um, they realized that they could they could work from home a little bit more. So a lot of the, a lot of the people that would only show up every, every once in a while on the weekends are now here full time. Interesting. Okay. So take us back. So let's talk about, uh, where you grew up, how, why did you become a dentist? I think everyone's always kind of interested in that journey. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, you know, I don't have those stories like some people do that I've grown up since I got my first tooth in my head that I wanted to be a dentist. I knew I wanted to do something in medicine. Um, okay. I always looked at that as something that was a way you could help people and a way, um, way you could have, you know, a nice life too. Um, you, you, when you drive through towns, you see a lot of the physicians and things used to be that all had the nice homes and had, uh, had the nice cars and had a nice lifestyle. And that looked appealing to me. So I originally thought I was going to be a pharmacist. Oh. Um, I grew, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Kentucky, um, and, uh, grew up in Kentucky and, Went to the University of Kentucky for undergraduate, and while I was there, all the all the classes are the same. All the pre-med stuff, all the pharmacy stuff, all the um, all the different medicine classes are all the same for the first couple of years. And I had worked in a pharmacy um, for a couple of summers. We had a neighbor that had a little chain of apothecaries, the independent pharmacies. And I had worked in those pharmacies, and I kind of thought that sounded good. Um, but this was in the late 80s. Huh. So in the late 80s, when all that was happening, you could still have a private pharmacy and be, be pretty successful at yeah. it. But they were starting to all be acquired. They were starting to all be acquired by big chains. Um, and it started to become, even the even the, the family that I was working for, they were still beginning to sell off a lot of their locations and things. They, they were finding it hard to compete with the big chains. And what they were describing, it was interesting. And it was something that I always looked at differently now. But when, when you go into a pharmacy and you give them your prescription, you know, you might be the only person in there, but they'll still tell you it'll be 20 minutes. It's because they want you to walk around and buy other stuff, right? <laughs> right. Which is makes sense. which makes perfect sense. But uh, an independent pharmacy that was only selling medications, they had to make a certain margin on their drugs, and they couldn't do it by selling candles and food and and everything else that was in there. So they would the big the big chains actually lose money on some of the some of the prescriptions just as a draw to try to get people in the store. So the smaller pharmacies couldn't afford to lose money and basically pay somebody to take their medications away. So the the business model was starting to fail. So I was about second year in school and I had a friend that uh, was in a lot of classes with me and he said, did you ever think about dentistry? And I really hadn't. Um, I mean, I never had a bad experience with dentists. I always had had good experiences. And we had a neighbor that was actually um, a part of the faculty at the dental school at the University of Louisville. And I spoke to him about it and, uh, 
got them to learn a little bit more, went and took the exam. And actually, I, I was accepted into dental school after only three years of undergrad. So I never actually graduated from the University of Kentucky, which still kills me. I still call myself an alumni, but I don't have a degree from there. But I went, uh, got accepted to dental school at the University of Louisville um, early uh, after three years. And at 21 years old, started my journey in dentistry. Wow. That's crazy. <clears throat> well, and kind of fast forwarding to today, right? I mean, you know, it was funny. I was going through some of the notes and, you know, not to jump ahead, but obviously, and, and listen, I don't really want, you know, we don't necessarily need to share numbers with people, but when you think now about the, like just the, the amount that your practice collects a year, do you remember thinking of that as like a, an amount you would never even get close to? <laughs> Can you remember um, that? Or sure. have you gotten so used to it now that you just take it for granted? <laughs> well, you know, the bar keeps raising. You know, it, it never stays where it is. What you used to think was a lot if you wrote it down on a piece of paper and said, if I could only make this sometime, I'm going to be successful. You know, that number <clears throat> always gets bigger the closer you get to that number. So, um, but no, I, it, we we didn't really have that number in mind. Um, we're we're doing well. Uh, we we have great um, a great team in a great area. And uh, been able to grow with the area, which has been fantastic. You know, I I met Patty in school. Um, When we met in school, she had transferred from uh, Loyola. Um, At the time, she was at dental school in in, uh, Loyola. And after her first year, that school announced that they were going to be closing. Um, So all those all those students had to find someplace else to go. And uh, the curriculum, some of them would have had to repeat the entire first year. So the curriculum matched well enough at the University of Louisville and and a handful of other places that a lot of those students got transferred in. So Patty actually joined joined uh, me in school on our second year. Wow. And I always said, you know, I had to close down a dental school for the two of us to meet. Right. Worked out (laughs) good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's Um, a couple of interesting statistics. Since you guys have been with us, you've had a three hundred and thirty four percent increase in new patients. And a hundred and eighty-one percent increase in collections, so that's pretty cool. We won't share yeah. those numbers, but I think they're they're very impressive. And and obviously, listen. And what that means is you guys are giving some really tremendous service to a lot of people in the community. So I hope everyone, as we talk about we ever talk about numbers, realize that it translates into you're you're not taking money from people. You're giving a lot of value, and they're choosing to pay you. You know, and so it's pretty cool. So talk about the journey. So you're okay. a, I mean, walk me through kind of the, the early years. So tell, tell me about the startup, right? Like, so what happens? You guys, well, how yeah, do you end up in Greensboro? We're in Kentucky you? and we um, we're in school. So we're in school early 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, about that same time, my parents are starting to try to find a place to retire. And they're talking about this place down in Georgia that they had found. Um, mm-hmm. My dad used to work in baseball and there was somebody that he knew from baseball that lived out at the, out at the lake here in Georgia. And he said, you know, I think we're, we might go out there. So we spent a Thanksgiving, we came down and rented a little cottage and stayed out there. And they said, well, what do you think? You think, think this would be a good place? And I go, you know, we'll come visit you, but there's no way we're moving to the middle of nowhere, Georgia. You know, we're, we're like in our, in our mid twenties wow. and there's like nothing going on. And we said that that's great. We'll come visit you, but you know, good luck with that. And we just kind of filed it away. 
Um, and then we finished school and Patty, um, she's a little bit of an overachiever. So she started law school right out of dental school. Um, so she went and got accepted to law school and started in Louisville. Um, and I had been working my way all the way through dental school as a, as a bartender, um, at this little private club. And, uh, two of the doctors that were members there actually asked me to join on with them. So I started to work for these doctors in Louisville. She started law school. And, um, after about three weeks of law school, she said, I'm done. <laughs> she said, I don't <laughs> want to be a student anymore. We had plenty of debt. <clears throat> and uh, she said, no, I'm not going to do that. So she went to work um, for a couple of our instructors um, that we had while we were in school. I stayed with um, the practice where I joined, which was a, a really big insurance driven practice. Um, great guys. They produced wonderful dentistry, but they were, it was a hundred percent dentistry back at that time. There was a dental product, um, called capitation plans, which were a little different capitation plans. If somebody chose you off of their list, they paid you every month, whether that person showed up or not. And that type of plan, they were actually making tens of thousands of dollars a month to not see patients, um, which was an interesting it was a, it was an interesting dynamic as far as being new out of school and seeing how a practice runs. That really wasn't what I wanted. That really yeah. that really kind of ran counter to to what I thought would be where where I would be trying to help patients. Not gosh, I hope they don't show up because I make more money. Or if they do show up, I have to do it for free. Right. So that was a nice little perspective on how that type of practice ran. Um, in the meantime, my parents did buy land and, uh, we started, we visited a few more times and started to see the area grow and realized that where we were, a lot of people were having to travel. They weren't, they weren't staying locally for their healthcare and they were driving, uh, back to Atlanta or to Augusta or to Macon or to Athens. They were, they were mm -hmm. driving different directions, um, to try to get their healthcare. So we saw that there was a need. Well, we were only a couple of years out of school. So, I mean, we still, we still only had the same like milk crate furniture that we had while we were in dental school. So we didn't really have anything to lose. And we said, if we were going to start a scratch practice, this would have been the time to do it. So we started to, um, talk to a the, in Atlanta, there's a, there's a dental supply company called Atlanta dental supply. They're fantastic. And we started speaking with them and, uh, one thing led to another. One of the contacts that we had there put us in contact with a guy in Augusta, um, and Billy Belding was his name. And Billy built a building for us and leased it back to us um, with the option to buy it at a fixed price after five years. Hmm. And there were no places out here that we could go and actually build a house and do everything else. So in our first practice, since we designed it from the bottom up, we actually built an apartment upstairs and lived for the first three years in our office, <laughs> wow, which I don't that's... recommend. If anybody's listening right now, I don't recommend that at all. But we were working in, in Louisville and uh, we would literally finish working, drive through the night, um, sit and maybe nap just a little bit in a rest area, um, get out, go to the bathroom in the rest area, splash some water on our face, change our clothes, go have all these business meetings and then turn around and drive back. Because again, we didn't have any money. You yeah. know, it, we could afford awesome. to get a hotel every once in a while, but most of the time we were just bouncing back and forth. Yeah. So um, one thing led to another. We filled a great need and we ended up having um, ended up having a lot of growth. 
when we built the building, I put a big sign out front first saying that we were coming and it had a telephone number on there. And that telephone number was a cell phone, which is relatively new at the time, had a cell phone on it that people would call and leave me a message. And I would send them a discount off of their first visit and a, and a refrigerator magnet. Nice. <laughs> so when we opened our doors from scratch, we had 87 patients on the books. Wow. Um, so that was great. And we were able to grow. We made our expenses in the first month and never had to borrow any working capital and kind of went from there. And we would just grow with the area. Well, we were, again, we were still pretty new and, um, from our experience standpoint, and we started seeing some cases that were coming in that were clinically a little deeper than, than we felt comfortable doing. So we said, all right, well, where, where can we get good training? So there's a few good continuums around and we, we went into one and that continuum, um, and they still are every, they're fantastic ways to learn good comprehensive dentistry and they're very expensive. Um, Mm -hmm. so the two of us would take off and go to these continuums to learn how to be better dentists than what we were down in Florida. And we would, I think at the time, each one of us, it was maybe six grand a piece to do it. So we'd have that expense and we'd have to close the office. And because we didn't want to lose our team, we still paid our team. So all of a sudden for us to take off and go do all the CE, it was, it was very expensive. Um, but we stuck with it, went through it all felt like we knew so much more. I mean, it was a better yeah. education really than what you can possibly get in dental school. And at that time, to do the type of dentistry that, that uh, we were being taught to do, one of the best, the best dentists on the planet was saying, if you're going to do this type of dentistry and run this type of practice, you can really only see about 12 new patients a month. Twelve is going to be your max because you've got it. Yeah, you see them once, you get all the records, you bring them back in, you present all the treatment, you bring them back in again, and that's when you actually start doing something, or maybe they can get their teeth cleaned. So you know we're young and don't really know anything different, and say, well, if the best one of the best dentists in the world says this is how you're supposed to do it, I guess this is how you're supposed to do it. So we began to practice that way. And we started to realize that not everybody wants that type of dentistry. Mm, yeah. you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean that, it, that they really appreciate it or really want it. And we were running it just on a strict number. So about the same time, there were some other offices that were beginning to open up in our area. And when we reached our 12 number, the front office was saying, hey, well, thanks for calling us, but you know, can't, can't get you in this much. Why don't you call this new office over here? So wow. we spent a bunch of time building up other offices, which was great. <laughs> yeah, good, good business move. That's right? kind of funny. Think about it. I Isn't love that funny? It. I know. Um, I love it. but anyway, so we learned, we learned a lot that way and, uh, became very good, competent dentists, but started to realize that there had to be a way to open the door a little bit more. So more people could experience that. And when we started to run it that way, that was the first year that I actually saw growth stop and it actually took a little step down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just an eye opener for both of us. We said, "Look, here we are with this great new skill, this great new skill set. Excuse me, but um, we're not making it easy for people to want to come to see us. You know, they're calling because they want to, and we're make we're putting up all these roadblocks for them to get in." Um, I think somewhere in that time frame, um, and it's funny. I was I was cleaning out our. We have like a little. Um, uh, resource cabinet um, closet yeah. rather that we have a bunch of things in. and I was cleaning that out the other day and I actually threw away um, an old foam rotten pair of head 
phones and a tape player oh, yeah. that you would send. <laughs> yeah, I almost sent it to you because I thought somebody else sent me a picture of one like about a week ago. You guys must all be cleaning your offices because he literally <laughs> yeah. sent me that exact thing. Yep. And yep. Well, you had you had caught my attention there, and then I I went to you were doing like a Kennedy Renegade Millionaire thing in Atlanta. Um, and I went to that. It was at a hotel down by the airport. Yeah. A little sketch at the time, <laughs> but went there. And that was the very first time that I could remember seeing the world from another side. And you had homework for that night. And I went in and I stayed up late into the night doing all that homework and crunching all those numbers and seeing how all that stuff could work and was excited to come back the next day. But my business partner, Patty, you know, wasn't there with me. So it was a little bit more difficult to kind of convince her on that this was the right way to go. So right. I come back all excited and tell her all of that stuff. And, you know, she's still set on the, let's just be the best dentist in the world. And the world's going to be the path to their, to our door mm. kind of mentality. Um, so it took us a trip down to Florida that you were speaking in one time. Hmm. Um, you were speaking down there. It was an old Woody Oaks thing that oh, you yeah, had down yeah. there. Spring break um, thing in Destin, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, I think it was Destin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, throwing beach towels and T-shirts. and But you were cold calling from the stage. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, doctors say, you know, who wants to... Who wants me to call their office? And, and and I'm like, well, at the time we had brought our whole office with us, so it, I, I knew I knew we weren't going to get called. But I'm <laughs> okay. watching these guys say, well, my office is great; nothing bad could possibly happen. And then you make these phone calls, and you were you were great about it. I mean, it, it you you weren't belittling the people that were answering. You weren't doing anything, but it was an eye opener for us to hear that one of the biggest roadblocks for people being able to come into our office is just how they're handled from the very first phone call. Yeah. And when Patty heard that, she goes, we need to hire that guy. And I go, that's I've funny. been telling you that for like months. No, that's anyway, funny. so that's how we ended up getting set up with you. And um, once we did, it just, it just made a big turn. Do you feel like you've hit a collections ceiling? Listen closely. There is no limit. Scheduling Institute has helped thousands of private practices for over 25 years with proven methods that help you increase new patients, grow cash flow, and achieve total financial freedom. Take the first step. Give us a call at 770-518-7575 to discover how we can help you earn your next million in collections and increase the value of your practice. Let, let, let's back up a little bit, though. So, because I do think that it's a very common, and I think, you know, as you laid out that journey, I mean, I think, and, and you know, when we, if we, if we balance the business side and the clinical side, they both have such a huge place in this, don't they? Like, so go, let's go back. So tell me what you liked. So it, I'm assuming Florida was Dawson. You guys were doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was a Dawson. So like, were there, were there, were, like, are there things clinically that you really liked? Oh, absolutely. I, it, and every single thing about what they do is fantastic. Um, and at a, a young dentist that's out trying to figure out what to do, I I do, we do the same thing with our associates. We do it with everybody. It's like I very much encourage them to follow a set curriculum and not take some hodgepodge group of classes. They need, they need to follow one of those, a Panky, a, a Coise, a Spear, a Dawson. Those are, they, those are fantastic ways to make you the best clinician you can be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important because 
as you said, I mean, we know this when you bring in young associates, right, that they're afraid to treat the patient. So the poor patient ends up being the victim because you're not going to recommend if you're afraid to do the treatment, you know, you're going to basically say the, tell the patient they don't need it, which is sort of nuts if you think about it. Yeah. Or, or worse, they, they don't even recognize it because they don't know what they don't know. Um, yeah. School just makes you a safe beginner. I mean, until you get out and start seeing how the real world is, you you really have no idea how um, how much you don't know. And uh, yeah, those those curriculums let, are best. Let's you got to take about, them at the right time. But they're good. but I think one of the things you're saying was that that even you know when you and I think it's important for everyone to realize this. Taking advice in in a vacuum is very dangerous. So like that thing where you're going to say you're going to be so good you can only take 12 patients, right? Like, and it's weird. It's kind of like I tell people, like, don't take money-making advice from an accountant. But I swear, every day I hear somebody talking about the advice their accountant gave them on how to build the business. And I, I, I'm just like, so accountants overreach, right? They do, they do it all the time. They, they use the accountancy as a way to now start giving advice. Well, I, I don't recommend it. So I do. How do you? How did you figure? I mean, you know, I think your story was a good one, and I think you. So, but it, it is easy sometimes to sort of get wrapped up in something and then become blind, right? I mean, I think you you have wisdom and experience, so you're combining different things, is what you were describing, right? Right. Well, uh, I think when you're young and idealistic and maybe right out of school. You think that if you can just be the best clinician in your area, everybody's going to know it and everybody's going to want to come to you. Um, I think you owe it to your patients to be the best clinician in your area. You owe it to yourself to be the best clinician that you possibly can be. And I think everything else, if you do marketing and you're not a good clinician, if you drive people to you and you're not a good clinician, mm -hmm. I actually think that's unethical. You know, I think I think you need to make yourself the best you can possibly be because someone's coming to you and trusting you with their health care that you you owe it to them and you to be the best you can be. And that in itself is the starting point. And then all the other marketing things you can do, all the other ways you can promote your business and yourself. Well, now all you're doing is bringing people to somebody that you know is providing the best care that's out there um, because they're capable of it now. You, you kind of like toying around with the marketing, though. You've become, oh, I love um, it. Yeah. yeah, you've become <laughs> a marketing fan. So let's talk about that. And, you know, and I used to always say, hey, listen, if you're good – then why aren't you at the top, you know, screaming off the top of your building how good you are? Because that's telling the truth, right? It's kind of like that uh, that thing. It's not bragging if it's true, you know. So how do you how do you find other people like even like in your community where let's say, you know, you have an office that's kind of center of the community, and then you do advertise a little bit. So what, what are some of the, what are some of the thoughts or some of the things you, you think people might incorrectly think about marketing, you know? Well, yeah. And, and it's funny. Um, you know, it, dentistry is one of those things, depending on where you practice. Um, I have a, I have a, um, a colleague that's a, um, a, a surgeon and he goes, you know, it's weird with you guys. It's like, with us in medicine, we have colleagues and you guys have competitors. And that was such a 
a kind of a slap in the face, but sort of true, which is one thing I really like about um, having consultants is you're able to kind of meet with group with a group of people that are all like minded. Maybe they don't work right down the street from you, but they're all like minded and you can learn a whole lot from having that community. I think that was the growth of, um, you know, dental town and some of the stuff that you have online because you can actually talk teeth and, and talk about your profession and talk about problems you're having and talk about ways to grow and talk about all of that stuff with people that sometimes you just don't get right in your own community. Mm -hmm. Uh, a roundabout way to say that is when we moved into the building that we're in now, and you're right, it, it's a it's a large building, and it and it was one that we we picked up um, nicely. It was during the downturn, and anyway, long story about long story about the building. But we, uh, well, I was right there with you. In, I remember the story about the building. Don't I, worry, I, right? I know. Just I so know. you guys know, this was let's take them there, right? Because it was okay. I happened to have had a lake house very close to where Dr. Bradley was, and I knew the area and. And here we are in an economic downturn, and that building comes up, right? And, and I was encouraging you, buy it, buy it, buy it. And, you know, it was at the time, it was a big deal, right? In hindsight, it was probably one of your better real estate plays. But let's be honest, that was, yeah. a, that was a big uh, big leap up, right? Absolutely. We, we'd, uh, we had outgrown our space. Um, the way we were growing um, since we opened the, the ways that people could get into us, the way we were growing, we, we couldn't stay in our original building that we had built. And this one came up and it was owned, um, it, it went under and it was owned by the bank. And it happened to be a bank that we had accounts in, so it was easy to start dealing with them. And I was negotiating with them and it had gotten to the point where we were ready to make an offer and I go walking into the bank and there's yellow tape all around the bank to where all the bank's assets had been seized by the FDIC, like right in the middle of our, <laughs> of our negotiations. And it was like, oh, that's awesome. So I kind of had to let the dust settle there a little bit and another Atlanta bank picked them up. Mm. And now they looked at the real estate where where I had already been negotiating. They looked at the real estate and said, oh, that's like a crown jewel. You know, it's, you can't possibly get it for that. You have to get it for this. And I had to start all over again. Mm. Um, so the process took a whole lot longer. Yeah. But once we got in it, um, if you are someone who's looking to build a new building or to do something, there is signage and road frontage is mm. like your number one go to yeah. you know if if you if you might be able to save a few bucks on a lease but you're tucked back in the back of an office park versus you're on a busy highway and you can stick a sign out there oh my gosh the the best decision you can do is to to go for a building like that um Love but it. when we moved in it circling back to what i was saying uh, when we get in this building there's an office that takes out a whole front page ad in our local paper that says is bigger really better and you know and it's this whole thing about how a big practice can't possibly give you good service which going back to your marketing part you know is kind of an old thought i think if you mm -hmm. have your systems in place you have the your people trained well and you are a highly skilled competent clinician there is absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be marketing um Back when Patty and I were finishing school in the 90s, it was still kind of frowned on. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it used to be you just hung your shingle out there and let let the patients fall where they might. You know, it, so anybody that was marketing was kind of looked at as a as some kind of rebel and, and yeah. you know, charlatan, really, like you, like a snake oil salesman because you had to go out and promote yourself. But I, I think the exact opposite is true. I'd much rather have three highly trained people in my office taking care of somebody than sending them to an office where it has one person taking care of them. 
So someone, re- so you go buy that building. I didn't know that. I didn't, and so mm-hmm. they really run an ad saying, "Yep, bigger entire, entire page." Wow. And I and I think that ad was in. And at the end of the day, you should have run. You should have run one that said something like, "Bigger is better. Come try it." <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So what? So, yeah. but I- isn't that interesting about the competitive nature of that, right? And you don't even know. You're not even that. That's not even in your purview, right? You're just doing what you're doing. Isn't that funny? Right. Right. And 100%. someone's like and thinking it, that you're competing. It wasn't. With them. It wasn't a a scarcity mentality we were operating off of. But right. Did that? <laughs> yeah. Did that? particular person stay around did that settle down just for fun oh there's other still things going on yeah yeah there's other things he he is uh he's still around now yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but isn't, um, that, so, isn't that funny though but, but, yeah but getting back to colleagues i mean yeah. it's so hard to to find somebody that you can you can vent with and identify with right. and and grow with and uh you know, or, organized dentistry is really the only way to do that. But, uh, you know, hopefully some of you guys have that wonderful relationship where you're best friends with the guy right down the street. I, we still share stuff. Like if we happen to run out <clears> of <throat> bonding agent or they run out of something, we'll, sure. we'll still share things around that way. But as far as, hey, you want to go have a drink? Uh, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, but I think that's part of what, you know, in watching what's happened with my clients over the years and watching those relationships develop. And, you know, obviously I, I know that, it's really hard to find those relationships in your own town and no matter what, right? And particularly yeah. in small to mid-sized towns, you know, it's like you're, you know, do you really want to reveal what you're struggling with, with your competitor? You know, it, it is weird. And I, I, you know, I think part of the magic sauce, just like you leaving to go learn clinical skills and get away from the patients is the same thing that happens when we're, you know, when we're getting together, I'll probably see you in Florida in a couple of weeks. And right. The whole idea of, you know, is, is you really got to get with people from different parts of the country that are almost like non-competitive. Right. I mean, you've, I do think there's some magic in that at the end of the right. day. Um, that, I, th- I think so too. And I think that's the, the healthy mentality side of it too. Um, you know, we, Dentistry is one of those things that you can easily put yourself on an island, especially if you're a solo practitioner and not have any of that feedback, not have any of that support or camaraderie or or anything. And um, I've I've never well, there was a very short period of time, but I fairly never have practiced by myself. Yeah, Um, I've always had somebody with me. And that has been um, a very healthy way for me to practice speaking from my own experience. Yeah. Well, so now, um, how many doctors work in your office? Um, there are six of us now. Um, but we have Patty and I have both cut back some. Yeah. So we're, um, I'm not in the chair at all and she's cut back, um, to where she's primarily there just a day. Um, they Mm. pull me off the bench to fill in and do things, but I'm not really seeing patients anymore. Yeah. So you've you've now had the opportunity to sort of make that leap to developing people, which is kind of cool, right? Right. Um, yeah. I spent uh, I spent this morning before we're chatting here um, working with one of our associates and and helping her through. They've been with us. Uh, well, they've been seeing patients for about six weeks now. Um, there were we had two that started at the same time, and you know right out of school, they're both graduated top of their classes. They both know what's uh, clinically what to do. They just haven't really done it. 
Yeah. You know, when, when you come out of school only doing eight of something and then you do eight of those the first week you're in practice, it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's an eye opener. Yeah. I don't know if you watch football, but there was a Monday night game on last night. Did you, did you happen to watch that? Is that where the Jets were? It was were the Aaron Jets Rogers and the Bills. And, you know, I think of it like that, right? Like, you're the Aaron Rodgers, you know, and they're the Zach Wilson, right? It was just a, it was a funny scene when, you know, that whole stadium just was quiet when Aaron Rodgers wow. went out. And then to watch Zach Wilson come in was like, oh, man. Yeah, I think he had three plays in and he was done. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's they, – and, you know, I love it. And they need you to help them, right? They need you to tell them what to do and to give them those skills. It's a huge – I mean, I think it's a, you know, when you think kind of the circle of life, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an important piece. So it's fun to see you guys, you know, investing time in those people. And that's a big deal. They both shared with us that that was the reason that they, that they wanted to come here. Um, They wanted that mentorship. And I hear that's very common. I I speak Uh. at some dental schools and do things too, to some graduating classes and, and they all kind of really realize that they need that mentorship. And that's something I'm not bashing one thing or another, but with corporate dentistry, I, some of their friends, they're saying they're just thrown in. Yeah, it's like they're, they're right out of school and they're having to run this practice all by themselves. Right. And, you know, they that is not what the majority of us dentists want right out of school. We know we need a little bit of guidance. We know we're going to we're going to not know how to do everything yet. And um yeah, it's so it's it's an eye opener. The choices they have coming right out of school now and why they choose different places. I think I think having that ability to to mentor them and to tell them that this is what I have found that work and to try to introduce them to a, a team that has systems in place already to try to get them things. And there's sure. always tweaks. Nothing's ever perfect. Yeah. But but it's uh, I think that's the attraction to, to finding the right people. That's awesome. So, um, any other, so kind of, you know, listen, and thank you so much for taking time to do this. I, I just think, you know, sharing the story, you know, there's always somebody, there's probably people listening and, and, and they, you know, they're living various parts of that story. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but kind of reflecting back, you know, thinking back and sort of saying, okay, um, anything else that you, you know, uh, think are uh, important uh, encouragements for folks that are trying to do this and struggling and and uh, what about that just that idea of like owning the responsibility and not blaming the circumstances i mean how important has that been in your journey of bringing um, it I back think that's to been you? very important i mean it, it, every decision we make um you know every whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, just like I was describing earlier with which path to take. Is it going to mm-hmm. be a big clinical thing where we focus just on a few people or are we going to take this great skill set that we have and try to help as many and influence as many as we can and try to help as many in the community as we can? Um, you know, we went from two employees to we have 37 now. Um, and I get up every day realizing that there are 36 other people um, relying on me to make the right decisions to, to help them pay their mortgages, help them buy their car, help them send their kids to college, help them do things. And that part I take very seriously. Um, so our team is a big piece of, of what I kind of pull in and try to take ownership of. And then the community is the other piece, um, trying to be a, a big, 
piece of the community and and have an impact that if I can teach 36 other people how to have a giving heart and I can teach 36 other people, you know, maybe some money principles, we'll we'll teach some Dave Ramsey classes in the office and we'll do other things like that just for our team that they really come from backgrounds sometimes that nobody else has ever done that for them. Nobody else has ever taught them that or nobody else has ever taken a moment to try to do that for them. So in order to, in order to, to just take a few extra, you know, a few extra hours on a Saturday to teach them some skill that they wouldn't have gotten any place else and they can take it back to their families. Some of them have literally changed their family tree. Yeah. Um, and that's been very cool, you know, and then sometimes you'll take those really talented people and teach them more and realize that they kind of max out on what they can get as a as a front office person or as a dental and they move on to something else. And I've gotten a, a few letters back from people that have outgrown us, for lack of a better term. And they're mm-hmm. they're just thank you letters. And they, they say things like, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now if you hadn't taught me this. Sure. And, yeah, I think when so, you look backwards, those are the those are the real reasons we do it. We can all do, you know, an MOD on number twenty. Um, but you know, how many chances do you have that you can change the course of somebody's family tree? I think that's pretty cool. Well, listen, it's been fun to watch, right? I mean, seventeen years we've been working together, which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it, right? And watching that whole thing, take me back to let's go back to that Destin event, and you're sitting there with your okay. team and. Do you remember that team? Like, yeah, you, I do. Actually, there's kinda... a picture of them from that event. Okay. That I have, <laughs> uh, I'm in my private office. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you think about your version of a quality team at mm. that moment in time versus your version of a quality team today, how dramatically different is it? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that is a, that is a completely different perspective. Um, there are two people in that picture that are still with us. Okay. Um, and the, when you, when you look, and this is something interesting too, uh, when we would talk to other, other doctors about joining on before, um, our current two have, and you know, they were, they would ask questions like, well, how long has your team been here? And, you know, that's a good question because they think somebody that's been around for a really long time, you know, that that says something about you. But it may not be saying the right thing about you. Um, It may be that those people that have been around for a really long time are the ones that you're not reaching the goals that you could. Not that they're bad people, not that they're not capable, but maybe they've just reached their max and their max isn't what's going to take you to your max. So maybe they're going to thrive in another environment that isn't necessarily in your office. Um, And it took me as an employer a long time to understand that Um, because I will I will fight for them. Right. <laughs> I will try so kind of that blind loyalty, right? Like just, you just wanted to do the right thing, but maybe that's right. not the right thing. Right. Right. And it's like, it's not that they're bad people. It's that you've put them in the wrong box. And it's really, if, if anybody made a mistake, it's you for hiring them, you know, and, and that part, it took me a long time. Um, it really did. And, and it's never easy to let somebody right. go, but I swear, I it, one of our one of our assistants. She came right out of high school, um, and was a go getter, and was a dental assistant and things for us. And you know, it, whole another whole another conversation about their perspective, their perspective on you know what they can earn and what you know fifty cents more an hour means to them. But she left for an office that's about a forty five minute drive away. Mm-hmm. 
And that lasted for a couple of months. And I just saw her yesterday when I went in to pick up my contacts with our optometrist. Mm. And, you know, I think she's happier where she is. And I don't think she was as happy in dentistry. And yeah. I think she's happier doing what she's doing now. So nice. what, what I mean by that story is sometimes these people just don't quite know where they fit in yet. And sometimes after you get some experience, you can tell that they're going to they're going to completely flourish someplace else. And you keeping them on isn't right for your your existing team or for them. Yeah. Well, so it so when you think about for everyone listening to this and, you know, this is always hard, you know, for me is how do you. You know, again, going back to that team, right? At that time, you probably would have defended that team. You, you were probably sitting there thinking, "Oh man, we're doing this great." You know, like, and so I, when 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 you think about the experience in your office today, right? Which is a an experience that basically automatically duplicates patients versus the one you had before. Right. I mean, today, I'm assuming you're getting well over your half of your patients from referrals. Right. I mean, it's oh, a staggering number. Right? right. And which basically means that the service is so good and that ad is incorrect because the true measure of quality is how many of those patients are being referred by patients. Right. So when if we. You know, when you guys want, if anyone listening, you want to get down the brass tacks of is your service good? Is your team good? It's the number of referrals you're receiving is really the gradient, right? So. Right. And, you know, it's nice to get um, affirmations of that every once in a while. It, it, we've been, it, we just got word a week or so ago that for 12 years in a row, we're the best dentist in the area, yeah. which. It, it's they've only been running the contest for 12 years yeah <laughs> so but it's been it's been really nice to have those accolades but i also know it's not because of just me and patty it's right. because of that team and the experience that they're having there yeah. that's why the patients do that we have people that sit on the board of the hospital that come and say you know we want we want to run the hospital like you guys run your practice right. what kind of stuff are you doing how 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 come your service is so good and we can't get this done or that done yeah. you know that that is when you realize that you're doing it right yeah. Um, so, so yeah, let's, so, you know, we'll, we'll get start sort of wrapping this thing up. So talk to me about, you know, when you think about all the coaching you've done clinically, the coaching you've done with me, um, what do you notice about other, like, I mean, kind of talk to me about where did that come from for you, right? I mean, you you know, there's people that appreciate and understand coaching, and then there's other people who, like, they love to just sort of dip their toe in and then judge it, and then they run out, right? And they never want to do it. What was what do you think is in you that you're you're good at really sort of you can take a concept, you can then go implement it, right? And 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 not everything goes like you said as smoothly. We all wish we could do that better, but. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, what do you think that is? You, you, Hattie and I are both coachable. Yeah. Um, and we both, we both played, um, sports growing up. So we yeah. both had like athletic coaches and things. That's huge. And it's nice to 
Well, when you look at any elite athlete, they all still have coaches. Yeah. They all still have, you know, I don't care who you are. If you're the best in whatever sport you've chosen, you still have a coach that's still pushing you and training you and, and, and putting you through the same drills over and over and over again, even though when we have the same trainings and things in our office. And I think, my gosh, I've heard this 15 times. They haven't, or they weren't at a stage yet to where they needed to hear it. Um, So the, the, the different ways that, that we built our practice with consulting is we started out with one at the very beginning that um, helped us put some systems in place. And it was one um, from our dental supply company. You know, mm-hmm. they, they put us in touch with her and she um, set up some systems early on. And that was what we needed because we didn't know how to run a practice. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you even go get your business license? And, you know, how, how, do, you, mm-hmm. how do you do this? How do you do a payroll? How do you do anything? Yeah. Um, so she was great at implementing some of that. Um, and then we went with another one that was more, um, excuse me, that was more involved with how we wanted to be those really high skilled clinicians and just mm-hmm. see a handful of patients. And he was really good at setting up a practice to try mm-hmm. to do it that way. We worked with another one that was um, build the type of practice that you want. So if you only want to work three days a week, build it to where you only work mm. three days a week. If you only want to work in the mornings, build it to where you – which, you know, sounds great. But yeah. that's not what your patients want, you know. <laughs> so we realized, well, yeah, it would be nice to only work 18 hours this week, you know. But your patients want a whole lot more than that. And yeah. if you do that, it won't take long for you to – to realize that you're not really sustainable that way, at least in our hands. Yeah. I think I think with any kind of consulting, you have to f- have some sort of vision of what you want to try to create and then find the person that can get you there yeah. and, you know, and get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think sometimes you, you referenced it a minute ago. I think sometimes we think we know better or we fall back on something. We think we heard the practice management person our junior year of dental school tell us that this was how you're supposed to do it. And that's what we that's that's what we fall back on. That's not the way the real world works. Right. You know, and and finding a consultant and realizing that it's going to take time, it's going to take money and it's going to take a lot of effort to, to implement what you learn. But the tail end of all of that stuff is you're going to be able to help more people and provide that excellent level of care that you've risen to through your, through your increase in your skill set. that you're going to make a huge impact in wherever you choose to practice. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, certainly a lot for you guys to think about. Um, I know we're skimming the surface of, you know, your overall experience, but I, I do think it's helpful for people just to kind of get a feel of that journey. And um, listen, like I said, it's been an honor to work with you. It's been a lot of fun. So uh been fun to watch, right? So I don't even think you had gray hair when you first started with me. Uh, I had more of it too. Yeah, I had more of it. Well, you still have a good head of hair. Come on, man. You're (laughs) like, you're, you're doing fine in that department. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. A lot of things changed over 17 years. It's funny though. Like, uh, so yeah, I was reading something, the, the new ink survey and, you know, they were just talking about, you know, is, is, does owning a business create anxiety? You know, (laughs) I was kind of laughing. I was like, yes, yes. Yes and yes, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's just how you learn to process those various anxieties. So just a yep. reminder, guys, it's not an easy journey, but it's worth it. And it's and you'd just be trading it for something else that would stress you out. So I think people don't realize that sometimes. 
All right, Dr. David Bradley. David, thank you. Send my regards to Patty and your team, please. I will. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate you. Take care. You too. Feeling overwhelmed, pulled in all directions? Scheduling Institute has proven methods that have transformed the lives of doctors nationwide. If you're ready to regain control of your cash flow, practice, and life, visit schedulinginstitute.com to book a consultation today.